Good morning, uh, Bridge Kids. You all can be dismissed. Thanks for joining us. Happy Father's Day. Um, thanks, Mike and Abby, for sharing that story. I am uh, humbled, not just because I have to try to follow that up, <laughs> um, but because it's Father's Day, a great day to celebrate our Heavenly Father. Um, and that I get to be here to talk about fathers to you is a, is a humbling privilege. Um, I don't have my world's greatest father mug or t-shirt yet, so I know some of you may, so um, thank you for allowing me to be here. Um, I'm also humbled because a few of you uh, drove almost an hour to be here just to hear me today, so I'm humbled for that. Um, but mostly I'm humbled because I have the opportunity, privilege, um, to open God's word to you. This is God's message, God's gift to you this morning, fathers, as we look at Psalm 128. Psalm 128 is really a father's psalm. Um, so let, let me pray, and I ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for giving us your word that we may know more about you. Thank you for the time of worship this morning and the examples of faith. I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would hinder any distractions from our minds and our hearts, and that you would lay your word in our lives so we can take it from here and shine your light in the places where we have influence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in Psalm 128. Uh, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up and turn there with me. Psalm 128 is basically, if you open your Bible right in the middle, you may have to turn a page or two to the left or right, and you'll find Psalm 128. Um, Jerry's been in Exodus for a while, and Exodus is a lot different than Psalms, so I need to kind of lay a groundwork of what Psalms is. Psalms is, many of you know, uh, the songs of the Hebrew people. Uh, it's not written like Exodus. Exodus is a narrative. It's written like story. Hebrew, or, excuse me, Psalms is written like poetry. So, uh, important in part of Hebrew poetry is a concept called parallelism. Where, when we're talking about a narrative, we say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Things happen in kind of a sequence. In Psalms, things don't happen that way. With parallelism, you kind of have A, B, B, A, A, B, B, A, and there's a, a sequence there. Also, important to note is that the use of figurative language. So this psalm, there's going to be some things that uh, if we read them literally, like we were reading an Exodus story, we would get very confused and we would be misinterpreting the scriptures. Um, so as you're there with me, Psalm 128, um, we've kind of laid a groundwork for what Psalms is about. I encourage you to, to read with me. Psalm 128, verse 1, it says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like the fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. 
All right, so we'll jump back into verse 1 and get started on, on unfolding this passage. Verse 1, first I want you to notice a paradox. It says, blessed is everyone who fears. Now, I don't know if any of you have uh, phobias, but maybe you're uh, afraid of snakes or spiders or you're afraid of the dark. Uh, you're afraid of very tight spaces or you're afraid of open spaces. Um, but when you're afraid of those, thing, those things, you don't feel blessed, do you? <laughs> this is a paradox. Um, what about when you're afraid of maybe public speaking? Uh, do you feel blessed? Is that a, a, a good feeling? What about if you're afraid of maybe more ideas? Like you're afraid of what somebody might think of the clothes that you're wearing or what somebody might think of the profession that you have or your, uh, your place in that profession. Maybe you're afraid of your um, talking about your po- political ideas or your, your uh, values. Maybe you're just afraid of what's going on in this world. Maybe you're afraid of ISIS. You see, fear, when we think about fear, we don't often associate it with being happy. That's what uh, blessing is in this context. We don't often associate it with that. The reason for uh, fear causing a blessing in our lives is because there's a difference in the relationship of us and the Lord versus us and, say, an object like a spider or a snake. And so we have this relationship, and that's what this psalm is based on. It says, blessed is everyone, every single person. It's very individual. Blessed is each person, each person, based on your relationship with the Lord. It's not just God. It's, it's Yahweh, the personal name of God. So God wants us to have this relationship with him, and this relationship is based on the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came to this earth, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the grave, and that in believing in him, we can have eternal life. Psalm, or excuse me, Philippians 2 says it like this, it says, says about Jesus, it says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the very form of a servant. And Jesus being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And now here's where the relationship gets a little different. You see, we like to think about um, Jesus being our Savior. Yes, He is our Savior. But when we recognize a perfect relationship with Jesus, Jesus is also Lord. Philippians 2 continues on. It says, Therefore, God has highly exalted Him, that is Jesus, and bestowed upon Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, there's a difference in the relationship. It is a relationship based on fear. So we have to look further into this idea of fear. What is fear? Well, we notice in the rest of verse 1, the posture of fear. It says, who walks in his ways. Uh, Now, if if we're talking about fear just like the phobias we have, Our posture is not to walk in the ways. Our posture is often to hide. 
Um, I like to think about this uh, in terms of my son. He is two, um, so just to give you a sort of reference. But when he is afraid of loud noises, he hides his ears. He covers them. He doesn't want to hear the loud noises. Uh, when he is afraid of a loud animal, a loud dog or a big animal, he tries to hide from them. He runs away. He gets away. He hides. Um, if he looks at you and he just doesn't like you for whatever reason that day, he'll, he'll hide himself. <laughs> he won't look at you, he won't make eye contact, but he'll hide. We know that hiding experience, don't we? It's the same experience that Adam had in the garden. Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God had specifically told them not to eat. And God calls out, he specifically calls out to Adam... Not to Eve. He calls out to Adam, to the man, and he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam said he was hiding. He was afraid because he heard the voice of the Lord, and he was afraid because he was hiding because he was naked. He didn't want to be exposed. When you are afraid of something, do you fear exposure? If you are uh, afraid of your... Uh, ideas about what God says about marriage, um, and, and your coworker brings it up to you, are you afraid of exposing your views, or are you afraid of the Lord? Uh, when, when you are afraid of maybe your ideas about how to raise your children, or afraid of your ideas about anything, really, are you willing to expose those things, or in fear, are you seeking to hide them? You see, when we have a perfect relationship with Jesus, our posture looks different. Because you see, fear is not just the trembling, the afraid, um, the idea that we think of when we hear of fear. Yes, it is part of that. But many of you know, fear can also be translated as reverence, as awe, um, being overwhelmed, being humbled, being brought to a place of speechlessness, being filled with wonder. Fear has that concept. And so as we, as we see what the posture is, the posture is a man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You see, this is very exclusive. A man who walks in his ways. It's not a man who walks in his own ways, a man who um, walks in the ways of his friends a man who walks in the ways of his wife and what his wife tells him to do. It is a man who walks in his ways, the ways of the Lord, because he fears the Lord. That is his ultimate fear. I love the picture of walking in his ways because I think, often think of that as a relationship with a father. You see, a father, um, as he's walking through the field, you, you know, you always see the, the child fo- trying to follow along and put his feet in the, in the dad's footsteps. Um, fathers, as we walk... So will walk our kids. They will watch how we act. They will watch how we walk. And that is the path that they will take. It is a humbling experience to know that if we are walking in his ways exclusively, people, our children, will see that and they will follow suit. We're walking in his ways means we're not walking in anybody else's ways. It's an, it's an exclusive idea. Uh, Paul encourages us in 2 Corinthians 7.1, uh, this idea of God being our Father and, and us walking in His ways. He says, therefore, in, in light of that 
promise that God is our Father, he says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles body and spirit, and let us perfect holiness out of reverence to God. See, if we're walking in His ways, we're going to be walking in perfection of holiness. We're not going to be walking into sin. We're not going to be veering off course. We're going to be exclusively walking in His ways. God is, is gracious, and He knows that when we're on that path, if we're watching Him walk, we may stumble, we may fall. But He is gracious, He is there. He picks us up and He helps us to continue on. Jesus is with us while we are walking in His ways. And fathers, I want to encourage you not to look so much at the obstacles in the course along His way. You know, when we're walking in the way, exclusive ways of God, there will be many obstacles in our path, people who want us to, want to veer us off course, things that will get in the way, things that we may be afraid of. Should I walk this way and, and spend my financial resources this way, or do I fear maybe not having enough money for retirement? Is that obstacle getting in the way? Should I spend um, my time being devoted to this activity, or, or do I fear? Fear God enough to allow my kids to invade my time and take some of my time. So I encourage you not to look at the obstacles of life. There will be obstacles. There will be pain. There will be suffering along this way, but Jesus is with us. What we can do is look at ourselves and how we are responding to our walking. If we continue to walk in His ways, that will be a blessing to us. So that continues on to verse number two, a father's blessing. It says, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. So verse number two, this is the father's blessing. The blessed father shall eat the fruit of the labor of his hands. Now, I don't know about how many of you guys, but does that sound like a blessing uh, to to labor. Basically, that's what God is promising you, that you will labor. That's, that's your blessing, fathers, is that you will labor with your hands. Also, uh, God knows that uh, the quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> um, he, he wants to provide you with, with something to eat. But it is the fruit of the labor of your hands. Now, if we were reading this literally, um, we might want to interject or say that, okay, if it's the fruit of the labor of your hands, if that's what you're going to eat, then the man's place is in the kitchen and the man should be cooking the food. <laughs> um, there might be some women who might like uh, some help with that, but that's not what he's saying. Uh, maybe he's saying that we all should eat the fruit of the labor of our hands, meaning that we all should pick fruits and vegetables from our garden. Um, some of us may like that, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you shall, by my blessing, be prospered enough to have food for your labor. You will have a labor. You will have a job. That is God's blessing. In fear of the Lord, we can walk into this assurance, following Him, that He will provide labor for us men. He continues on, You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Now we may read this and, and think, okay, yeah, that's... Uh, um, is that the prosperity gospel? Is that uh, God saying, okay, if you know, I do all these right things, that God's just going to 
abundantly bless me? Well, well, the first word, this word blessing or blessed, it means more of happy. So what, what the psalmist is saying here is saying that God's, if you fear God, God's going to take care of your emotions. So you're mad and you're sad and you're glad, men, they're going to be all in order. <laughs> um, God's going to take care of your emotions. You will be blessed. And secondly, it shall be well with you. Uh, it shall, it shall, you shall be good. This is talking about uh, your welfare. It's talking about your prosperity. But it's talking about the future sense of who you are as a man, not just about the material blessings. So a father's blessing is that he shall eat the fruit of the labor of his hands. Continue on, verse number three. Here we see where the fear of the Lord works out. You see, the first people to know if you fear the Lord, Father, fathers, is your wife and your children. Verse number three says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. So first, let's talk about the relationship with your wife. Men, if you fear God, your wife will change. So if your wife is not changing, it's not her fault, it's your fault, men. It's not her fault, it's your fault. You are the one who is responsible the wife isn't doing anything in this verse. There's no action taking on the wife. And I don't say that to diminish the work, the labor, that the efforts that women put in, but the, the wife here isn't doing anything. She just will become something. You see, when a man fears the Lord, his wife will be like a fruitful vine. Now, how, do, how does a vine become fruitful? Well, the vine requires security. It requires a structure and it requires a source. You see, a vine needs something to grow up into. It needs a structure. If your wife doesn't have a structure of encouragement, of love, of a way to run your house, it's likely that she will not be very fruitful. If your wife doesn't have security, if your wife doesn't have an understanding that that she is yours, if she doesn't have an understanding that you will protect her from all things, she will not be fruitful. And if your wife doesn't have the source of encouragement and love from you, fathers who fear the Lord, she will not be fruitful within your house. Uh, this past week, a woman named Elizabeth Elliot passed away. Uh, many of you may know Elizabeth Elliot. She is the, was the wife of uh, the slain martyr Jim Elliot. You see, Jim Elliot feared the Lord. Jim Elliot feared the Lord more than he f- than he feared the Native American or the Indians who eventually killed him. His example provided the security, the structure, and the source for Elizabeth Elizabeth to be a, a very fruitful vine. To many of us, even today, who have read her books or or heard her. Um, encourage her encouraging story. So your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Next, he says your children will be like olive shoots with around your table. Uh, so, what's this idea of olive shoots? Well, we don't really have olive shoots uh, in America, but what we do have is is maple 
trees. We have a lot of maple trees, and I don't know about many of you, but um, I had to pick up a lot of little uh, whirly birds, as I call them, around the house uh, the past couple weeks. Um, And I've also had to uproot some uh, little maple trees that they have been growing. Um, When we think about maple trees, we kind of think of them as being invasive. Uh, And really, many countries uh, think of an olive shoot as being invasive. Um, I don't know about you men, but uh, do you feel blessed when when you get home and your kids invade your personal space and they just want to give you a big hug and they want to ask you to go do this, dad, go do this, dad? Is Is that invasive? It kind of is, but that's what a blessed father experiences. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, I don't want to say that children are just wicked and invasive because they are a blessing from the Lord. Um, And we see that in the idea of what an olive represents. An olive in the Hebrew culture provided food, but it also provided fuel. An olive in the Hebrew culture helped with their cosmetics, but it also helped with their cooking. An olive was also the, uh, an olive leaf was the leaf that the dove found when Noah uh, sent the dove out from the uh, ark. So an olive is a, a sign of peace. Your children, men who fear the Lord, will be like olive shoots, not olive trees. Not yet. They need time to grow. An olive tree may take 15 years to grow. It may take 15 years for that olive shoot to become an olive tree. But when the olive tree, olive shoot, becomes an olive tree, it may bear fruit for up to 2,000 years. It needs nourishment. It needs encouragement. It needs to have some roots. It needs to have a foundation for it to be like uh, an olive tree. Uh, next, I want to talk about here, it says, around your table. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, that's uh, obviously a figurative language. Um, you're not going to just put olive shoots around your table and expect them to turn into children. Um, but it is around your table, fathers, that your children will learn around your table that they will grow. Um, I was excited that I learned this experience um, from, our, from our own children, um, our son, like I said, Tobias, he is two, and uh, so he's still learning. He's in the process of growing, but we, we ask him to put his plate away when he's done eating. Um, and to, to my surprise and blessing, when we were at the neighbor's house uh, the other day eating cake, celebrating the kid's birthday, he went and put his, his plate away all by himself. Uh, he's, he's learning. He's growing. Um, now, there are many times which he chooses not to serve, uh, and, and we need to, to discipline him and encourage them and, and bring them up. But he's learning to serve, so much so that even sometimes he wants to clear everybody's plate. <laughs> he, he enjoys learning to serve. Um, around our table, we take turns praying, praying over our meal. Um, there, our, our children can learn what's on our hearts, what we want to pray for. And we can also encourage our children uh, to pray, to learn to pray. And when we first started this process, when our, when our daughter was little, she didn't want to pray. She's like, no, Dad, you pray for me. Okay, it's, that's okay. Um, sometimes she would, sometimes we wouldn't. But now, she wants to pray for everybody. <laughs> okay, yeah, Dad, it's your turn, but I'm going to pray. I want to pray. I want to thank God this time. Around your table, fathers, is where you teach your children what blessing really is. Around your table, your children are eating your food. 
Your blessing from your work is your food, and your children are also eating it. So not only do you not just to get to eat food all by yourself, you share it with others. That is your blessing, fathers. But your children learn where that blessing comes from. God's provided you with a job. God's provided you with the ability to put food on the table. You can teach your children those things around the table. I heard a statistic that uh, men spend about eight minutes a day, eight minutes a day with their children, including meal time and TV time. Now, I don't know how much you can teach your children with eight minutes around the table if the TV is on or your smartphone is out and you're looking at something or the radio is on. Around your table, men, is where you can instruct and teach your children who are like olive shoots, who need a strong foundation that they may grow and thus produce fruit. All right, let's work on to verse number four. It says, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, I got to admit, when I, when I first read this part, this is when I was kind of, I was so underwhelmed. In my mind, I was still kind of reading in that narrative and I was like, okay, yep, the man gets to, he has to labor, but he gets to eat. That's okay. And then, and then the wife, yep, she'll be a fruitful vine, and the children will be like olive shoots. And then I expected like, and the man will be a superhero. That is not what it says. That's not what it says. Here we see parallelism, parallelism worked out. Here we see, behold. It says behold because the word literally means to look. If you're looking at a man who is blessed, who fears the Lord, you will see his wife being fruitful. You will see his children around his table being brought up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And you will see him eating from the fruit of the labor of his hands. It says, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed. This blessing is different than the idea of blessing earlier in the, in the chapter about uh, our emotional state. This blessing... It is about our honor, our state of being blessed. Um, so when we hear, uh, you know, people say, oh, I'm so blessed, um, I got to experience this certain thing, or I'm just so blessed I had this happen in my life. I'm so uh, blessed. They're, they're talking about uh, these things that they're just getting, these things that are happening to them. But real blessing is that the man of God who fears the Lord is, is honored by God. Also interesting to note, here in verse number four, uh, the word man isn't just like your normal word for man. Not, it's not just Adam, the man. It's not just uh, the other Hebrew words for man. This is the same word that is used for the mighty men, the mighty men of David. So we have this mighty man who is blessed and he is afraid. He is afraid. He fears the Lord. You see, when we have our relationship with the Lord in a right view, we understand the other paradox of leadership structure that's flipped upside down. Jesus modeled that. If we want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, we, should, we will be last. We will be the servant. Jesus modeled that, and so he took, uh, he took the towel and he washed the disciples' feet. He served them. He made himself last. He made himself under everything. 
Now, let me, let me ask you something. Is there uh, things in your, in your house, in your home, uh, in the lives of your wives and your children that you are above? Guys, that you're, oh, that's, that's somebody else's job. I'm, I'm just above that. That's, that's theirs, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not below that. Is, that. is that how you feel? Is that how you act? But, but God says, Behold, thus shall the, the mighty man, the great man, be blessed. He'll be honored if he fears the Lord. He has his relationship right with God, and he puts himself at the bottom. Um, if, you, if you still haven't uh, quite grasped it, let me uh, ask you guys to join me in, in practicing a little exercise here. So I know, I know it's kind of inappropriate to point in public, but I'm going to ask you to put your finger in the air, fathers. So if everyone wants to put their finger in the air, um, and now point it right at yourself, fathers. Okay, now when I say the word your, I want you to jab it right into your chest. Okay. Your hands, your wife, your house, your children, your table. See, God has so designed manhood that we are responsible. It is up to you, man. These are your things. You are the only one doing work here in this passage. And I say that again not to diminish the work of other people, but God's calling fathers who want to be blessed, who want to experience his blessing, to take responsibility. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Um, I first, first learned this lesson um, in, in a difficult way. Uh, when Amanda and I, my wife, were first married, we had the blessing and privilege of raising funds to join staff with the Navigators. Um, as we were raising funds, we were out in Colorado Springs getting training from one of the, uh, from many of the directors and, and presidents there. Uh, Jim, who, who knew Amanda growing up and wanted to take care of her, uh, Jim and I were talking, and he looked at me right in the eye, and he, he grabbed my shoulder. Now, Jim, you have to understand, is an Iowa farmer. I mean, he's just a big guy. His hands are like sausages. I mean, he's just got a huge hand. He put his hand right on my shoulder, and he pressed down, and it felt like my arm just wanted to dislocate. Like, and he pressed down so hard, and he said, this is what you must feel. This is what you must feel. And then he took his hands and very gently pressed it on my shoulder, and he said, this is what Amanda must feel. See, men, when we fear the Lord, we understand that it is our responsibility, that it is up to us. When things go wrong, God's not going to ask, hey, where's your wife? He's going to say, where are you? I'm looking for you. You are responsible. What's going on here, Adam, man? So behold, thus shall the man of the Lord be blessed who fears the Lord. So that would sound good, right? If, okay, if we have our, our own self intact, we, we're eating the fruit of our labor and, and our emotional uh, life is okay and we know that our future will be okay and our family and our, our wife and our kids, like they're growing up, they're doing fruitful things, that would be good, right? That would be, that would be, that would be pretty good. We would feel pretty blessed. Okay, yeah. But it goes on. It does not stop it does not stop there. Verse number five, the man of the Lord, man who fears the Lord, will be blessed if he is a part of God's community, a part of God's people. It says, the Lord bless you from Zion. The Lord bless you from Zion. Now, Zion can mean several different things. Um, uh, in, in, in the Jewish culture, it can mean the place of God. So the temple. 
It can also mean the people of God. Important to note here is that it is the Lord blessing you. So men, if you fear the Lord, um, you will come to church to serve, to worship Him, not to expect a blessing from from the people, not to expect uh, handouts, not to expect things from the other people, but you will be expecting your blessing from the Lord. And you know from these other verses uh, that the Lord doesn't bless you with material things. He doesn't bless you um, with uh, prosperity, but he, he blesses you in a sense of, of honoring you. The Lord bless you from Zion. I see as, as men, if we engage our families in a community of other men and their families to raise up, to disciple, to train children, we will be blessed. The Lord will bless you from Zion. He goes on, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Now, if a man who is blessed um, is involved in a, in a church, in a community of God's people, and, and they're about serving, they're not about themselves being at the top, but they're about themselves being at the bottom, the society around them, the city around them, the Jerusalem around them will prosper, it will grow, it will receive benefit, it will receive welfare. Because those men will understand that in fear of God, they are called out. Because they are blessed, they are to be a blessing to other people. Continue on verse number 6. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now, here, men, we see the first your, that's not your responsibility. Your children's children. They are your children's children. It is their responsibility. Your children, children. You see, the man of God who fears the Lord understands that his life is, is beyond himself. He embraces his insignificance. Um, I recently, with my, my wife, we went through the book Sacred Parenting with a number of, of couples trying to learn more about what we can do to grow uh, as parents. And the author, Gary Thomas, pointed out uh, very insightfully what the value of Genesis 5 is. Now, many of you may not know what Genesis 5 is because you probably, once you got there, just like, okay, turn to the next page. Because Genesis 5 is the genealogy section, right? Genesis 5 just says, and this person beget this person, and he lived this many days. And -and so-and-so beget so-and-so, and and they lived this many days. He had other wives and children, and and that's that's what he did. Um, But Gary expressed to us the idea, shared with us the idea that I want to pass along to you today. He said, embrace your insignificance. Gary asked, uh, how many of you know the names of your great-grandparents? Do you know what their job was? May you see your children's children. You see, when a man fears God, he sees his blessing apart from himself. He sees it beyond himself. Um, I had the privilege of being in a wedding last weekend, um, and we all sat down for a meal. There was about 400 of us uh, in this barn at a farm. And, and before, the, before the meal, you know, there's usually a, a, a typical prayer that's offered. Um, uh, this old guy stood up and, and he asked the family, uh, his family, to sing a song for us. And this song was a beautiful song about coming to the Lord's table and being blessed by him. But 
as I was sitting there listening to them sing this song, my mind was drifting back. Where did this song come from? Some grandparent much older than this guy must have taught all of these people this song. They are sitting around the table. Now they're singing the song of blessing uh, to, to God about this meal. You see, when a man fears the Lord, he understands that blessing isn't just about his own material benefit. It's not just about his own uh, peace and serenity and comfort. A man who fears the Lord understands that his blessing is to be a blessing to other people. Lastly, it says, peace be upon Israel. Peace be upon Israel. Now, now the word peace uh, in the Jewish culture is, is the word shalom. It's kind of used for a lot of different things. Um, kind of like the way we use the term, God bless America. You know, God bless America. We say that a lot. God bless America. God bless America. Well, fathers, if you want to see God bless America, if you want to see God bless this country, it will be through you, you fearing the Lord. Through you fearing the Lord and understanding that you are supposed to provide a structure and, and stability for your family. Your family will grow to fear the Lord. You will be a part of a, a community of believers. And as, as a man who fears the Lord with other men who fears the Lord, you will be a part of a community that fears the Lord. And, and, and your Jerusalem, your state, and, or your city and it will affect entire generations, your children's children. The fear of the Lord will be upon the generations of this nation if men begin to fear the Lord. So what, what is the, the fear of the Lord? Well, it's kind of hard to describe, um, so I, I thought I'd offer a few phrases um, just to get us to think about the Lord uh, as I close here. Uh, so there are a couple sections from Psalm, a couple se- Psalms, a couple sections from uh, Isaiah, and it ends uh, with Exodus. See, Exodus, we've been going through, and it's, Exodus is all about fear, right? Exodus begins with Pharaoh fearing the people of Israel because they were getting too many, and then the midwives not fearing Pharaoh, but fearing the Lord, so they produced more children. And then there was this guy named Moses, and he feared Pharaoh, so he ran away. And then he learned to fear God, so he came back. And then he was afraid of speaking, so his brother came in, and they started to help Pharaoh understand what it means to fear God because of who God is and all these mighty miracles. And I won't go on, and there's going to be a lot more, um, and I encourage you to look for that as, as Jared continues on through Exodus. But um, So yeah, this... Uh, poem, if you will, is my gift to you, fathers, and, and it's about the fear of the Lord. Psalm 146 says, The Lord will reign forever. Psalm 97, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Isaiah 42, The Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, I am the Lord, that is my name. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns, let the people tremble. Psalm 33, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Psalm 145, 
the Lord, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Psalm 47, God reigns over the nations. God sits in his holy throne. Isaiah 6, high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Psalm 96, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Isaiah 45, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God. Who formed the earth, he made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Psalm 130. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Psalm 147. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Exodus 15. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for instructing us, for teaching us, for correcting some of our ways when we have gone off course. Give us strength. Father, be with us. Help us to stay on your way. Oh Lord, you are mighty and powerful and awesome and good. From you comes our blessing. It is not depend on our work, Lord, for we know that if it was up to us, it, it would fail every time. So we humble ourselves before you now in reverent fear of you, of your goodness, fear of the grace which you have given us, and ask that you would give us strength by your grace, that you would help us to walk in your ways and not our own, not the ways of the world, for it will be our destruction, but for the ways that you have laid out in your word. Jesus, I pray that we as men would take you seriously. That even today on Father's Day, that we would take time to praise you. That we would direct all the glory and blessing that we may receive on this day. And that we would cause it to bring glory to your name. Because Lord, we know that you will reign forever. And your kingdom endures to all generations. We are humbled and thankful and grateful that we get to be a part of what you are doing in the lives 
of our family, of our church, and of the community. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.